to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that'll change my life forever. I hate the sound of my voice. I, if you've heard your voice, your, your voice on a cell phone or something, I just, I sound like Hermit the Frog. God, you, sh- you should have gave me a little nicer voice than that. Hey, we're in week two of a brand new series called Forget Not All His Benefits. And again, this will be for the next 35 minutes. Thank you for giving me some space in your heart and in your time to hear from God. I promise you that he's going to speak to you. And we're going to see some amazing things today. I'll try to keep it simple and not too long because it's not my goal to be long or complex, but to be clear so that we can understand what God is saying to us today. This is real-time word. This ain't just, hey, you know what says someplace? This is what God is speaking to you today. So if you have room in your heart to receive it, it'll produce great fruit, the Bible says. Some 30%, some 60%. But for some of you, you'll believe 100% of this. And I'm telling you, if you believe 100%, God will do 100% of the work inside of your heart. That's just how it works. We're in a series, as I called, Forget Not His Benefits. And last week, if you weren't here, we shared about the idea of stirring up the inside of us to magnify God. Now, that's a hard thing to do. Because if you're anything like me, I wake up different every morning. I don't wake up the same seven days a week. Basically, it's because I'm flesh and blood, and there's things going on in my life. And sometimes I'm up, and sometimes I'm down. Or maybe I should say sometimes you're up, and sometimes you're down. And sometimes you're lighthearted, and sometimes you're burdened. It it varies between what is going on in your life. And the Bible tells us that King David, a guy that lived many, many years ago, understood the power of stirring up the inside of him to bless God. And the reason he blessed God was so that he would remember all the great things that God had done for him. And when you remember and count God of his blessings, as Shane shared about what God has done, and give yourself to God, God has a way of giving himself to you. I shared last week, it was a very simple premise, that God wants you all in so that he can be all in. It's interesting to me, in relationships, if we want someone to love us with all of our heart, then we want, to, well, we want to have them love us and reciprocate the same. In other words, if I give all myself to my wife and kids, I'm hoping and believing that they'll give all of themselves to me. But it's funny when it comes to God, we don't want to give God all of our hearts, but we want God to give all of his heart to us. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. God is not a robot or a figure of our imagination. He's a real spirit being. And David understood that at times in his life, he had to stir himself. If I can even use the word politely, he had to get himself excited through worship about God so that he could recall all that God had done for him and all that God wants to do for him. See, because your mind is like my mind. We don't recall the goodness of God. We recall the junk in our lives. The real and the play real in your mind is probably similar to mine. It's all the mistakes I've made or all the mistakes people made towards me, or the opportunities that I didn't get, or why this happened, and we come to worship God, and we come to bless God so that God can wash away all that junk, if I could use that word, all the crap in our heart and in our minds that want to block us and keep us from what God has for us. That's why we sing, spirit break out, 
break the walls down. Well, what walls are, is God talking about physical walls? Well, of course not. The walls that keep us from the Lord are the walls in our mind. And when you worship God and dwell on him in good times and on bad, it brings to remembrance the greatness of God and the plan that he wants to do for you. It's like God infuses you with his strength. I know that can almost sound kind of corny, but when I worship God with all that I am, it's like God infuses me with energy and hope and passion. David said it this way in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. It reads this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Notice that all that is within me is equated to all of his benefits. Interesting. Who forgives all your iniquities. There's a lot of alls in here. Who heals all your diseases. See, when you come and worship God, you got to first remember that God forgives you of all of your sin. I have forgotten some of the things I've done, and so has God. And it's often been taught in church that God forgets like God has amnesia or something. No, God doesn't forget what you've done. God chooses not to remember. See, the difference between forgetting and choosing not to remember something, God actually chooses not to remember all the silly, stupid things you've done in your life. I mean, that is right there worthy of calling to remembrance. You know why? Because you call it to remembrance, but God doesn't. So David says, man, bless the Lord. Get excited inside Joel your mind, your will and emotions, and your body. Why? Because God has forgiven you of all your sins. God has wiped the slate clean, who heals all your diseases. God doesn't heal some things. God heals all things. You see, right now, you are walking miracle. You are actually being healed by just sitting. Did you understand that? That even God understood that seven days of the week, God said, I want you to work six And on the seventh day, I want you to rest. Does God want us to sit in a hammock just for fun's sake? No, God understood that even physical creation heals when it rests. That God has a plan for our lives. He says, who heals all your diseases? That's for somebody today. You need to rest. You need to eat healthy. Because God does the miraculous, but God also heals our bodies with good things. When you eat healthy, when you eat right, when you rest properly, that's a way of God extending healing you. He doesn't have to, but he wants to. And when you bless the Lord, oh man, you remind yourself, that's right, my finger almost came off about 20 years ago carving a pumpkin. Uh, The the left side of my body almost came off uh, surfing in a contest in the North Shore, believe it or not. I I got like 60 stitches. I mean, I was like drowning and passing out, had to get pulled in. That's for another time. But see, I start to remember that. I said, Lord, that's right, God. See, we forget We forget, but God wants us to remember. And he wants us to forget not all of his promises, all of his benefits, because he's a good God. Can I get an amen? Amen. That just means so be it. It's a fancy way of saying that's right. Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you, I love this, with loving kindness and tender mercy. If God were to come to you this morning and crown your head with a crown, you know, that's an old term, that's like, in King Times, I, my favorite movie is still Braveheart. Frida, I love that movie, even though I don't look like I would. I love that movie, right? And if, if a king would crown you, do you know what God crowns you with? Loving kindness, tender mercy. 
that interesting? Loving kindness. God crowns your head with loving kindness and tender mercy. Man, that'll preach just there. That's why I worship God. I don't care if no one else does. And I have to be polite and pretend like I'm a pastor, but I don't do this because you're here. I do this because I love God. I mean, I love people here, and I love what my wife said. You need each other. See, you think you're invincible, but you're not. A lot of your problems would be solved if you let people in, if you would join a church. And joining a church is very foreign in today, especially in the culture we live in. It's nice and sunny out. I used to be a, a surfer and still am, and there's plenty of things I could do. I have my own business. I have five children, so I'm as busy as you are, maybe more. But, man, I choose to come and worship God because I understand that he is the source of everything in my life. Bless the Lord, David said, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, every single part of me, my mind, my will, my emotions. Like, God, I I can't even blow the fuzz off of a peanut this morning. But I'm going to bless you. And as you do, that energy comes. Remembrance. Oh, that's right, God. God, you did do that. Yeah, break the wall. So you begin to understand who you are and why you're here. Very simple things. There's an author. His name was Rick Warren. Wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Four billion copies sold today to help people understand why they were here. Interesting. Four billion copies, 77 translation. And the whole book is about it's God. (laughs) I thought that was interesting. I'm like, darn it, I should have wrote that. who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So that. I'm a student guy, so I circled that. So that. So God wants us to worship and remember all these things for what purpose? So that your youth is renewed. So that your energy, your life. Some of you need a new life. You do. You don't need to get a life. You need a new life. And God says when you worship him, And God speaks to your heart and reveals to you, I did that for you. Joel, I saved it. Shane, I got you that dinner. That's a dinner. We might think that's small. It wasn't small to them. That was God showing up so that your youth is renewed. It's not a Red Bull. It's not a monster. It's not coffee, though I like those things. That doesn't renew your youth. Man, that can be a sermon in itself. It's an $8 billion year. This ain't, I'm not making, this is facts. It's an $8 billion with a B dollar-a-year industry, the energy drink, whole nother subject. But I believe there's something spiritual to it because people are wanting to know, how do I get my youth renewed? How do I get energy in life? It's by blessing the Lord, by remembering his goodness with a cup of coffee, maybe. <laughs> Told you we're also going to be in Second Peter today, Second Peter chapter 1. Peter was an amazing guy. Peter was known for firing before he aimed, you know, and jumping before he measured, kind of doing things without thinking. But God used Peter in a supernatural way. His original name was Simon, which meant read, meaning that he was tossed. That's how I used to be. I was a people pleaser. If, if people were into God, I was into God. If people weren't into God, I wasn't into God. Though I thought I was original, I spent most of my life in Hawaii. I was a follower. I was just a read. And that's who Simon was. Simon means read. And then he met Jesus, and Jesus says, you're, you're no longer a follower. People will be following you. You're, you're going to be Peter. You're going to be rock. And on your understanding of who I am, I'm going to change you into an unbelievable man that I will use to transform 
a world. Him and 11 buddies that followed Jesus around. People think Jesus had huge crowds that followed him. He did not. He spoke to huge crowds, but he had 12 disciples, 12 guys that he hung out with and invested his life in, and they changed the world. This is that guy that we're reading about, and he penned this before his death about the very special things that God wants to do in our lives. And he writes here, I'm going to read these verses, verse 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle means a sent one. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He starts by saying, hey, those that I'm writing to have the same faith that I have. It's a precious faith. Faith for his benefits is the, me- the title of today's message. Is f- his message, faith for his benefits. Faith for his promises. Verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that the power of God actually gives us all things that pertain to life in godliness. Say all things. Yeah, all things. There's that word all again. Interesting. We're seeing this word all everywhere. That the power of God gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Now he shows you. This is, I'm a grammarian. I took a lot of English in high school and college. It's paying off. Well, how does the power of God give us all things? Listen, through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his virtue. So what knowledge of God? And he tells us, and this is our main verse this morning, by which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That's the answer. By given to us great and precious promises. What Peter's saying here, this is kind of deep stuff, and I'll try to make it more seventh grade level because that's where I'm at at least. He's saying that the power of God gives us everything we need for this life and for living right before God through the knowledge of him. Well, what is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is his promises. The promises is who God is. When God says that all of your children, out of Isaiah 54, verse 11, shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. That's that's part of who God is, that God wants your children to be taught by him, and to have peace. That's what it means to understand who God is. The Bible says also in other places that I am the Lord your God who heals you and tenderizes and changes your soul. That's part of who God is. So the word of God and his promises gives us a knowledge of God. And that knowledge gives us power in this life because everything that God promises is about our lives and his goodness, and him wanting to bless us, and him wanting us to live right before him so that we can be a testimony and a blessing. Verse 4, by which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises, here's the main part of the message this morning, you may be partakers of the divine nature. That through these promises, I know we're kind of unpacking some stuff, but follow me if you can. That through these promises, you and I are invited 
to be partakers in the very life of God. That's what God wants us to know this morning. Forget not all his benefits, that God wants to invite us into a different life, true living in him. And that comes by understanding God's promises to you. You know, the Bible has over 300,000 promises that God gives to his people. Some are conditional. He gave in the Old Testament, right, to Israel, like, if you would put me first, then all your enemies, and some are just promises that God gives to us. The greatest promise is the promise of salvation, that God promises salvation. He promises us things in the life to come, but God also promises us things here on earth. Shane shared one of them again, that if we would give our first fruit, our first tenth to the Lord, God says, try me now in this. I promise you that I will open up the windows of heaven over your life. See, I I don't live, I don't know if I can say this, but I don't worry about what is happening in the economy. Now, I'm not ignorant and stupid. The Bible says we should also plan and, and do those kind of things and be wise stewards of our money, but I don't live under that rule. See, and that's what Peter is talking about, faith for the promises of God. See, I'm partaking in a different life. I'm not like everybody else. Come on, and neither are you. And God isn't inviting you this morning to saying, hey, I want you to enter into an alternate life. I don't want you to live like everybody else. And the way you escape, as we're going to see, the normal world and the way people think and act and do is by entering into or partaking in the life I have with you through my promises and applying those things to your life. What my wife and I have been practicing lately is by putting our names in the promises that God has for us, making them personal. Because a lot of us know what God says, but we don't believe it. We just don't feel like we're qualified enough. And I struggle with that too. Sometimes I'll read things, I'll be like, dude, God, this is like too good to be true. What is the catch? Oh, he's married. I knew it. Right? No, I w- I'm talking like a girl. would be like, this, I met this amazing guy, and then he has a family. Or, you know, life is like that where things become too good to be true. We think there's no way God could be this good, and we disqualify ourselves. But God is that good. Let me say that again. God is that good, and he wants to bless, and he wants to lavish on us. And we have a, a hard time of receiving because we don't feel worthy. But let me remind you, you're not worthy. Jesus is worthy. That's why you're a Christian, right? Or hopefully you've been taught that. That's the gospel, that he who knew no sin, Jesus became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That if you're in Christ, that's a term Paul used, that means you are literally covered. That's what that word means, in Christ. That when God sees you, he sees Jesus. And the Bible says that everything that belongs to God belongs to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, which is a fancy world called an heir that we'd use like in England with the royal family, then whatever belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Did I lose anybody? That's good. That's the time to clap. Someone's got to clap. Bless the Lord. That's right. You know, clapping for me. I don't need clapping. But it reminds you, that's right. Everything that belongs to God belongs to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus... It all belongs to you. I don't want to get too deep, but Paul says, you're actually heirs of the entire world, of the entire world, that one day we're actually going to reign with God over the entire universe. That's for another time. That'll give you coffee bean head. 
as I like to say it, or Starbucks head. That'll just be like, what is that about? But I want to keep focused. We're going to be done here in a few minutes. I'm not going to be much longer. But I want to notice, I want you to take notice again, too, of the two things that these promises enter us into. One is you enter into or you become a partaker of the life of God. You partake in something. That word originally, partake, comes from the Greek word koinonos, which means one who takes part in something with someone, a companion, a partner. I I love this word. Maybe your translation says a sharer, a sharer. Peter's basically saying, hey, God wants you to, by faith, look upon the promises of God so that you can share the very life of God with you. Isn't that cool? God, in other words, doesn't want us just to like, hey, God, you promised that you would get me out of debt or provide. Woo, okay, thanks, God. See, a lot of us see God as just like that's how God wants it. God is not wanting just to do your to-do list. God wants to have relationship with you. And Peter says the promises of God were given, notice, for you to partake in life with God so that you would actually commune with God. Yes, God will fulfill, but I bet you if I ask Shane, Shane, did you go home with Megan talking about the dinner or did you go home talking about the Lord? Does that make sense? See, sometimes we forget God doesn't want to just do things for us. He wants to do things for us so that we talk about him. See, that's what it means to partake. It's different. I don't want to lose you. But God ain't just like, hey, God, thanks for paying my rent. Anyway, back to the ball game. Right, that's how people are. See, there, there's no fellowship. God is a real person. And just like a relationship, that's what it means when you're married, supposedly. Marriage is to partake in life together. It's not just to show up on time and, and pay the bills. And Well, those are outworkings and celebrating. Woo, that was fun. But that's how a lot of people live, and that's how they approach God. But God says, no, 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 I want it to be different for you. See, you belong to me. Come on, somebody. See, you, you, you're, I'm your God. I'm your Savior. I want you to have life with me. And God is inviting us this morning into a deeper place of partaking, sharing life with you. And he shares his life with you by you meditating and receiving the promises of God for your life. Woo, this is good stuff, I'm telling you. I'm not trying to be deep, but it's good. That's how you change. That's what it means to live a transformed life. See, too many of us know religion. We know Christianity. But not enough of us really know God. And that's not to shame us. I didn't know God for a lot. Of, I was in Bible college, and I didn't understand this kind of stuff. But God slowly began to woo me. Not out of regulations. or I felt like this wooing, if I can use that word, or I felt this drawing to really begin to love. I felt like God said, Joel, I'm inviting you to live different. See, you don't want to live like everybody else, I don't think. God wants you to live at a higher level than everybody else, even compared to some Christians, because he wants to partake in life with you. And he shares his life with you through his precious promises. I love that. Peter said, exceedingly great and precious, like Lord of the Rings, right? My precious. But I love words. See, he didn't just say his promises. Okay, chapter two. He said precious. See, they're precious to God. You know why God's promises are precious to him? Because you're precious to him. God's promises are precious because you're precious. And God wants to move in your life, not just so that you get a free dinner, but that you experience his goodness through the dinner, 
through the healing. This is making sense? Through the forgiveness. Like, oh, God, God, you're real. Jesus is real. That's why we get excited here. That's why you bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all of God's promises. Why? Because when God comes through, he doesn't just come through for the thing. He comes through for you, and he becomes real in your life. And that's what God wants you to know this morning. God is real, and you experience the reality of God when you fix your gaze on him and you share. You become a partaker in the divine life, the good life, the true life, by trusting him and declaring that his promises are for you. Paul the apostle said it this way. He said, all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God. All the promises belong to you. Everything God has said belongs to you. Everything that we read, even just those four who forgives all your iniquities. I wonder how many of you are still struggling whether or not God forgives you or not. But God don't want to just forgive you so that you're forgiven. God wants you to literally feel forgiven so that you realize that it's him and that he's real. God really, believe it or not, wants to touch your physical body. Not just so that you feel better, though that's amazing, but that you would know that God touched your body for his glory and your good. That you could be like, man, my finger is still here. My leg is still here. Not just though I have a finger and a leg, but that you would know that God is real and that he really wants to do stuff. And I just have a hunch, as laid back and surfer as I am in this county, that this is a message for this area, that God really wants to touch people and reintroduce himself to us as our God, my Savior, and my God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy or different name because God is different and he loves us. Somebody say amen. Come on, we got to get a little Pentecostal in here. I'll try to be short, but I love this kind of stuff because I don't like hearing me. I love hearing from God. That's why we come every single week. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge some of you. Maybe you've never done that, but I want to encourage you as my wife did. Give this church a year and see if God doesn't change you. You know, they say it takes five years, 10,000 hours to become a professional at something. I dabbled with professional surfing in the late 90s and early 2000s. I thought I was good. I was good, but I wasn't good enough to get, like, paid, paid. I got little checks for photos and stuff like that. It was more about my ego and just enjoying the sport than really trying to make a living of it. But I spent a lot of hours surfing, and it it paid off. It was fun. I got to do some amazing things, meet some amazing people. But it hasn't pale. It pales in comparison to what I have gained in God, partaking of life in God. I still enjoy those things, but I I enjoy God more if I can go on the record I know that's not popular, sounds kind of corny. You think, well, of course, you're a pastor. You're supposed to. But I'm not really supposed to because I run a business during the week. I have a busy life. I told you, but I love the Lord. He's so cool. He's so good to me. And God is inviting you this morning not to some deep theological sermon that you can't understand. God's basically saying, hey, I want you to partake in life with me. You're going to be my guy. You're going to be my girl. And you're going to become that person as you partake in my promises. 
the very things I've spoken over you. And I want you, son or daughter, to make those promises yours today. Believe them like I'm saying them to you because I am. That's what God is saying. Believe them because I'm speaking to you as if I really am. Enoch in the Old Testament, he was a guy that partook with God, or maybe another way of saying it, walked with God. Peter says, partake in the divine providence. Other people use different things to say the same thing. That's how the Bible works, just like in our lives. Sometimes I have to ask my kids to do the same thing different ways so they get it. So Peter says, hey, partake in the divine nature. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means to share your life with God. Oh, okay. Well, in the Old Testament, God used different ways of speaking, and he talked about walking with God. It's the same analogy. It's the idea of sharing. See, God don't want to just do things with you. He wants to walk you through things. He wants to speak to you. He wants to bless you so that you're not just blessed. And we have a fair balance here. I used to think, oh, no, is this one of those, like, blessing churches where God wants to bless? For some reason, that stuff has gotten a bad rap, and I understand, because people have not done what I've said. I know that can sound confident of me, but it's the truth. They've got stuck on the why they bless. But God wants to bless us. Why? So that he's real in our lives. But anyway, in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Enoch. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, kind of a peculiar name, but he practiced this principle of partaking in the divine nature. He was so focused on God. The Bible says literally one day he was just gone. He just disappeared. People didn't know where he went to. Kids came to Enoch. He didn't show up for work. He didn't make breakfast in the morning. He just had vanished. And the Bible says that God loved him so much because Enoch was close to the Lord, shared his eyes were always fixed on God. It says this in Genesis chapter 24. There's a couple other verses. It says, Enoch, Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. There's a name for whoever's pregnant out there, or about to be. After he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. So in other words, Enoch partook in life with God for 300 years. Every day, the desire of Enoch was to, was to give himself and focus on the Lord. And again, I'm not talking context about Christian weirdo. God doesn't want us to be like zombies. Have you ever heard this? Oh, that guy is so earthly focused. He's, he's so heavenly focused. He's no earthly good. God doesn't want us to be weird or sit in a cave or just, you know, dink around. Man, God wants us to get out there, make life happen, enjoy, but he wants to be included. See, you're not supposed to, again, live like everybody else. The rules, in a sense, don't apply to you because you belong to God. God's inviting you to partake of his life, his nature, his word, his promises. And so for 300 years, Enoch did this, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365. A little fun fact I studied. There are 365 days in a year, and Enoch lived 365 days, which means what the Bible is saying is Enoch lived a full and complete life. Is that cool? Literally, 365 days in a year, and he lived 365. In other words, Enoch lived to the max, baby. He did it all. He lived a complete life, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He was so in tune with God. I wrote down a couple things, if I can share these, and we'll be done. Enoch walked with God. He constantly set God before him. 
and walked pleasingly before the Lord. He acted as if he were always under the seeing eye of God. His life was a life of communion with God. Enoch made God's word and his promises the rule of his heart. God's promises were what he looked to, and all of his actions were directed to the glory of God. Enoch made walking with God his constant endeavor, as I shared, in everything he wanted to please God. I want to pause there. Sometimes we think pleasing God is like staying away from sin, or hey, I didn't look at that cute girl over there, or that guy. See, we think that's what pleases God, but that's not what pleases God. You know what actually pleases God? The Bible says faith pleases God. Did you know that? The Bible actually says that faith pleases God. Hey, staying away from sin, that's a good thing too, but that, believe it or not, isn't really what impresses God because God knows that we're fallen and we'll fall. But God says, what I get excited about, oh man, is when people believe me. In other words, when people say, oh God, I'm going to be a partaker in your promises. God, this doesn't even seem real. You want to supply all of my needs, God, according to your riches? All right, God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to do my part and work hard. But God, I thank you for it. God, you want to heal all my diseases and make me whole. God, I don't even feel like it today. My leg is kind of sore. But God, I'm just going to trust that your word is true. And I thank you, God, that you're my deliverer. God, that you're my hope. God, I th- see, and that's what Enoch did. He said he walked with God. He had partaking fellowship with God his whole life. And God says, that's enough, dude. You just come up to heaven. You get your booty up to heaven. God just took him all the way up. But notice that he never tasted death, the Bible said. No pain or sorrow. His family was probably sorrowful, but he didn't taste any of that. See, and that's what happens when we follow God, when we partake. The second part of Second Peter 4, as I read, says, we also not only partake of the divine nature, Second Peter 1, 4, if we can have that on the screens, we also partake of the divine nature. Thank you, Juan. But look in the last part. Remember, I wish I had, I got to get one of those highlighter pens when I teach. My wife teaches different. Look at the last part. And I'm, I, this is really the real, I'll be done. Why, when pre- preachers say that, just know there's like 20 minutes more. But I just don't want anybody to leave. I really want to hug each and every one of you. Please let me after service. I mean it. I want, I want to say hello. I want to get to know you. I, this is not a job to me. I take this. This is very precious to me. I want to just share with you what God is showing me. That's all. That's what I think preaching really is. It's just say, hey, check this out. This is amazing. God is so good. He really is for you today. He really wants you to enter into all of his benefits. Even though you don't feel worthy, he's worthy. And because he's worthy, he wants to do it for you. And if you let him, man, you'll live so blessed. You'll live so different. And here's the other thing that will happen. You'll escape. So you'll partake, and you'll escape. Isn't that interesting? He says, if you allow the promises of God and his word to wash over you, you'll partake in a blessed life. You really will. And you'll also escape. You'll be blessed, and you'll escape. It's like your right foot and your left foot. You'll be blessed, and you'll escape. See, this is the balance of the gospel. God doesn't just want you blessed. He also wants you to escape. Escape what? Sin. All the corruption in the world. 
look, you know, no one needs to get up here and preach that the world is messed up. You just watch the news or you see things. And God says, hey, I, want, I don't want you to depart from the world. That's not what God is saying at all. God says, I want you to be blessed and I want you to escape. Come on, somebody. God wants you blessed and he wants you clean. God wants you blessed and he wants you whole. It's like a, it's like a dance. God wants to lavish on you and God wants you to restrain. God wants to bless and God wants you to say, oh man, God, you are good. It's because God wants to bless you that you want to escape. Remember when God called Peter on the boat? I don't know if you remember this, but there's a story that God called Peter on the boat and Peter felt like a nobody because he blew it. And God says, hey, throw your net over the side. It's in some uh, gospels, not all. And the Bible says, Peter threw his net overboard and caught so much fish. I mean, he just was overjoyed. And guess what the Bible said next? It said that Peter celebrated and went nuts. No, actually, it doesn't. It said that he fell on his feet and said, away from me, for I am a sinful man. See, sometimes the blessing of God, listen, please listen. The blessing of God, man, makes you want to live right. It really does. God wants to bless you, listen, because he wants you to know it's him but also his blessing gives you a desire. I'm using all the adjectives I can to describe this, how I feel, or the want to just live right. See, I don't want to live dirty before God. I want to live clean, not that I'm so I can be accepted, but because God has been so good to me. And when temptation comes, I say, ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, Lord, no, no, I'm going to focus on your promise. Why? Because any temptation is a promise that's false. That's what sin, sin is a false promise. Remember, the enemy told Eve, hey, you know, God said, don't eat this. God is no fun. Look at this fruit. And she said, man, it looks good, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't look wrong. See, and it was a false promise, but it led to death. But see, God gives the real promise. God gives the real promise, and his promises are in his word. And God said, oh, if you would partake, if you would walk, if you would run, if you, whatever word you want to use, if you would just saturate yourself in my word, and in my goodness, man, you will be blessed. You will be so blessed that people would say, why are you so blessed? And not only will you be blessed, you will escape all the junk that's out there and all that comes with it, all the junk, and you can just live above that. That's how Enoch lived. That's how Noah lived. Remember God told Noah to build an ark, arky, arky, with wood and barky, barky? Yeah, well, the ark, we understand. Yeah, 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 he got into a boat, and it lifted him above the water. Well, physically, that's what it was. But the Bible says the Old Testament stories are New Testament truths. That's how brilliant God is. So things that actually happened in the Old Testament are truths in the New Testament. And what God was saying through guys like Enoch and Abraham is, hey, if you would do it right, I'll bless you, and I'll lift you high above the water. See, the floods didn't get to Noah, did they? No, the Bible says Noah, what? He, he was above the floodwaters. Isn't that cool? While the world was drowning, Noah was relaxing, chillaxing in his big old boat. He really was. We think he was panicking. He was not. He was not. Him and his whole family, it says, were saved. See, that's what it means to partake in God. It means to be blessed. It means to be saved. All the world was his after that, by the way. But it also means to escape the muck and the mire. What, what false promise have you been listening to? Could it be 
Could it be that you've been listening to the wrong set of promises? And the result is decay. That word corruption there is a word we use for decaying fruit. See, fruit don't decay overnight, except for bananas, it seems like, in our house. I mean, those things are like brown the next day. It's like a banana conspiracy. Someone's out there like, let's grow these bananas and let's make them rotten tomorrow morning. All the parents will waste their money on bananas. Banana conspiracy. But God does. He says, I want, I want you to partake, and I want you to leave. I want you to leave a life of sin. I want you to leave a life of sin, live pure. I want to encourage you this morning, very simply, that the Lord really does love you. Oh, it's not cute. No, no, he, he really does. God is for you this morning. If you will give me the privilege as we stand in a moment just to pray, if you would open up your heart to him, man, he wants to come in. He really does. He wants to bless you. He wants you to partake in life with him. He doesn't want to just do things for you, though he will. He wants to do things for you so that you recognize that he's real. And he wants to help you today. He does. He wants to help you walk with him. He wants to give you the desire to do it. And that's what I pray. Lord, give me the desire to to want to walk with you and help me to remind myself to bless you with all that I have and to forget not what you've done and what you want to do in my life because you're worthy of it. I'm telling you, one day all this is going to go away and it's going to be you and the Lord. Whether you believe that or not, it's the truth. And we have the great advantage today to partake in the divine nature and to escape the false promises of sin so that we can truly live the life that God has for each one of us. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand together. Rebecca, would you come and just accompany me as we close? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.